Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of BTR Boxing Podcast is sponsored by Bear Attack Boxing. Check them out on social media, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And check out their website www.bearattackboxing.co.uk They've got another great product that's just been released, the Bear Attack Boxing Master 1 Focus Pads. They are the ideal pads for perfecting your boxing skills, for getting your shots accurate and fast. With the shock absorbent pad, your hands and wrists will be protected. The hook and loop strap makes it easy to secure your hands in the pads so go and check out that new product which is only $24.99 at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk social media facebook instagram and twitter find them bear attack boxing Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with me, Sean Bastow, here to go through today's episode of Wants to Watch. And today we've got 8 0 professional fighter Sam Giller, who's going to be talking about his career to date, how he got into the sport of boxing, his journey through boxing. He'll also touch on his amateur career as well, and we'll also talk about what life is like outside of boxing as well, and what he does for a living outside of boxing what he gets up to on his days off from training and just generally talk about what it's like living the life as a professional boxer. But before we get into the episode and the chat with Sam, I want you guys to go over and follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook as well. And please keep doing what you're doing, guys, because you're subscribing to us on all the different platforms. I'm seeing the ratings coming through. I'm seeing the reviews coming through. I'm really, really happy. I'm really chuffed because it really genuinely helps us. There is that many boxing podcasts out there and we feel we bring an absolute plethora of 
variety to you guys. We're not just a one-trick pony. We're bringing you the legendary knights, bringing you this once-to-watch series with different prospects throughout the UK and world. We're bringing you our review and preview shows, and we're also bringing you these little additional shows, these topical matters like greatest heavyweights and press conference brawls, and just things that get people interested in the sport of boxing and and their knowledge of the history. So please go and subscribe to us. Apple Podcast is the main platform. Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM and Spotify are also available too. So this is it. This is the next episode of Once to Watch and this is with Sam Gilly. So Sam, great to get you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us today. I know you're really, really busy and I know we're on this conversation and as we're talking today in this conversation, you're actually out dropping tickets. Yes, mate, I am. Yeah, doing the uh, doing the struggle part of boxing, trying to sell as many tickets, tickets as I can for next week. Yeah, but, that's um, all part of it, so... It, it really is, and, and obviously, it's that, for people that are listening, Sam is actually physically out dropping tickets as he's recording this episode with me, and this is the life uh, and the struggles of a professional boxer, and it's something we'll touch on when we speak today, but we're talking about you as well, Sam, and we're talking about what got you in to, to boxing and finding out a little bit more about yourself, so... Have you always been a, a boxing fan before you became a professional boxer and an amateur boxer? To be fair, when I was a kid, uh, it was like WWE wrestling. I used to love it when I was a kid. And my dad always just say to me, why don't you watch boxing? And I was just like, no, nah, I like wrestling. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't until I watched, my dad sat me down and I watched Ricky Atten cross the Jew. And uh, that was the fight that really got me hooked on boxing. From that point on, yeah, I, I, I can't remember how old I was, but from that point on, yeah, boxing's been all been on my name. And it's one of the greatest British fights we've had for a long time, and and I can't really argue with your dad making you watch that one because that was I was there. It was one of my favourites. It was the the atmosphere was electric, and and obviously if were anybody, you there, was you? yeah, it was yeah. Honestly, it was, it was one oh, of the. Oh mate, it, what a dream! <laughs> I've never never got to see out and fight live. That, that was by far and I've said this before to people on social media that was by far the best fight I've ever been to live really? yeah oh mate I bet it was unbelievable in there wasn't it? atmosphere atmosphere is as good as as good as what it was on the telly when you watched it when you watched it back it's unbelievable and, and this is i know yeah. this is this is part and parcel of why fans love the sport people like myself who love the sport and, lo- and love being uh involved in the sport in some way and obviously for yourself now participating in the sport from, from watching it as a, as a kid you know these are the types of nights that you can only dream about so just going back to you, your first experiences of it, obviously that was a big fight. You watched it, you started to get into it. Did you then have the urge to go down to the local gym and just start hitting the bags and, and training? Did your dad take you down there? No, to be fair, my um, my mum, she used to take me around her friend's house and she actually had a bag in the garden. And I, one day I was just standing outside, put a pair of gloves on and just started whacking that. Uh, I've just started secondary school and a couple, a couple of my friends were down Wolf and Forest ABC. And I was like, why don't you come down, why don't you come down? I was a bit of a quiet kid, so I was like, uh, I'm in an iron. And then one day I actually yeah, asked my mum, I was like, can you take me down there? And uh, yeah, I was, I was 11, I think. And literally, the, I walked into the gym and it was just like one big family down there. I was expecting it to be all like, do you know what I mean, big ugly men punching each other down there but it weren't it weren't that at all so and uh yeah and literally from the first time I put the gloves on in there mate I haven't stopped 
how long was it before you started getting involved in, in sparring in the gym with people of your own age and, and then making the decision to sort of say, right, I'm going to compete here? Do you know what? I, I, it was quite... I think it was like my fifth session. Like, that was, like, a lot of the things I used to do, Danny. Turn up, like, glove up, sparring. That was one of the ways they used to teach, just by just by doing. So, I sparred quite early on, and I just, like, it, I got a thrill out of it more than ever playing football or any other sport that I've done. I got such a thrill out of sparring and taking part in, in boxing, which I didn't really think... Like, not, like if you if you ask my granddad, when I, when I first said I was going down there, he said you'd take one punch in the nose and you'll never do it again. <laughs> and that, that was when I was 11, 24, and I'm still doing it. So it's um yeah, a little bit mad, but uh, but yeah, the buzz you get, the buzz I got out of boxing from the first day, and I still get it today, is uh is what hooks me on it really. So amateur career then, what sort of an amateur career did you have? Um, my, my amateur career, I had a, I had a very a very long amateur career. It started from when I was eleven, went up to when I was about I was about twenty twenty one really. It was um like I I think by the time I was fourteen fifteen, I'd had about thirty bats at Waltham Forest, and uh, and then I decided to move on from Waltham Forest to Tottenham and Enfield because uh, the gym started to quiet down. It it wasn't that busy, so uh, yeah, I went on. There. I thought I could develop a bit more down at Tottenham, and. Uh, and I was there till I was about 20, yeah, 21. Um, I, I boxed for, I'd done like an England select thing when I was about, uh, versus Scotland when I was about 14. Um, I went to France and boxed for London out in, uh, I think it was Normandy we went to. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I got to travel to a few places. I had loads of fights, game like, but I was in the gym from literally, I don't think there was a week that went by that I weren't in the gym from 11 to 21. So I learned loads just by being in the gym week in, week out. Did you ever encounter any fellow professionals whilst you was in the amateurs, any guys that have turned pro since that period of time and have gone on to have some sort of relative success? Uh, I boxed Alfie Price when I was about 12, who's, um, who's now just started out his professional career. Um, to be fair, there's, there's uh, one guy I box, he's now doing professional MMA, but there's not really a lot that have gone on to... Um, uh, Billy Allenton, I don't know if you know him, he's a pro yeah. now, I boxed him. Uh, no, I didn't, no, I didn't, know. I was meant to box him, sorry. No, I didn't, take that out. <laughs> um, no, apart from that, mate... Not really. A lot of the boys that I bought have uh, packed it in. So then when you got to sort of where you felt it was the end of the amateur career, how old was you yeah. and, and what was the decision... Well, who helped you make the decision to turn professional? Was it yourself alone or was it the guys who were coaching you at the time? To be fair, when I was... I, I, started, uh, I started landscaping and uh, I started earning a few quid and going out with the boys and stuff and started to take a back seat because there was a few things going on down the amateur club that were that was just like, oh, why am I doing this anymore? Because I wasn't getting any fights. I think I was training for about 12 months and I weren't getting any fights. So, and then I started to, um, and uh, then I started to, uh, yeah, work. Boxing fell fell back a little bit. And uh, then one of my friends said to me, why don't, you, uh, why don't you come down RJ's and just do a bit of training? And uh, I literally, from the first day I went down there, Rod, uh, Rod latched on to me and he said, um, he said, have you boxed before? I went, yeah, I've done a little bit. And, uh, and literally, he was the first person to ever mention anything. Because I didn't know how to turn professional. I'd like, being an amateur, I didn't know what route you had to go down. I didn't have a clue. So I just walked into Rod's gym, and he had a few pros at the time. And, uh, and he said, listen, he was like, if, if you want to turn over, we can, uh, we can give you that opportunity if you're willing to put the work in. So from the second he said that, I've been working relentlessly every single day. Because it's what I've dreamed of. Ever since I sat and watched that Hat and Zoo fight, it's what I've dreamed of every day. So when he gives me that opportunity, you got to grab it with both hands. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And, and it's good that you obviously made that decision and you turned professional because now 
you're two years in and you're eight fights in and you've got your ninth fight coming up next week so yeah it's it's going really well for you so far and just touching on the professional career to date obviously you've been in with a few names that i recognize from the circuit that have that have been around on the road for for a good couple of years and i know there are yeah. quite a few tough guys that you've been in the ring with there is there any one of them that stands out out of the eight opponents you've had so far who you would say you've learned the most from? Um, like I've got Willie Warburton. That geezer is just one awkward, tough man. He fights every single week, and like it, it, I think he only got stopped. In, I think it was like his first ten fights he got stopped twice. But since then, he's not been stopped for about ten years, and he, he is just like that. That fight we can't load up with that. Sam. Uh, about it's a year ago today actually that I boxed at the O2, and I fought Sam Amidi. I think he's from Manchester. He but is, um, yeah. uh, that fight, I, I cut him early and I hurt him. And I went on the gas and uh, went on the gas and ended up uh, ended up blowing my beans a little bit myself. So I've learned to pace myself through fights. Obviously, if, if opportunities ain't there, don't rush situations. Um, so I, I learned from that fight. And as well, I've I, I learned that I can't do weigh-ins on the day before anymore. Uh, on, on the day, sorry. Because on that, I weighed in at about, I think it was two o'clock and I was in the ring at half four. So um, I, I learned a lot about my body that day as well because I didn't feel great. But um, but yeah, boxing-wise, I've definitely learned loads from a yeah, I know them quite well. They were obviously up here, up here in Manchester, both of them, and I've seen them quite a lot on the circuit around a lot of the shows in the northwest. So I know them. I know both guys really well in terms of speaking to them and in terms of what I've seen of them in the ring against a lot of the prospects that are coming through up this end yeah. uh, of the UK as well. So yeah, I know it's good to hear that obviously that you've used the experience of guys like that that are fighting practically week in week out to to, to yeah, learn exactly. a lot of, a lot more. And what you mentioned there about the the way in, obviously a couple of hours before you went into to, to the ring must have been I don't even I can't even imagine how difficult that must have been to, to, to try and keep the weight down to, to that oh. time of the day and then to get in the ring a couple of hours later you, you must have felt absolutely like crap going in that ring I, honestly it was the worst thing was obviously that, like, I had to give the, the paying for the tickets was the, was the day before so I was actually at it was a Martin Murray uh, Martin Murray fight. He meant to fight Billy Joe, but he ended up fighting uh, some other geezer for the WBC Silver or whatever. But so I was actually at the weigh the day before. But they said no, you can't weigh in. You just got to pay in for your tickets. And uh, and I, I didn't get weighed in until like yeah, till, like, two, two three o'clock the next day. And then I was second on. Uh, I can't remember who was before me. I think it was um, oh, I can't remember. But anyway, he knocked the geezer out in the first round. So I was literally just getting my wraps done. And it come, you got to go now. Threw the gloves on, bang out the door into the ring no warm up no food nothing <sighs> it was um it was a bit of an experience, mate, to be yeah. fair. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, yeah, we got the job done, just about. <laughs> so your last two fights, then, have, have ended with stoppage victories for you. So yes. talk, talk me through them last two fights. Has there been something different that you've done uh, outside uh, of the ring in training at the gym that's allowed you to, to step on the gas and put more, not saying you didn't before, but put more sort yeah. of power into yeah. the punches? Mate, I had, I, I was very... Like in and out, uh, a very in and out boxer. I was a counter puncher all the way. Like I could only counter punch when I first met Rod. That's all I could do from the amateurs. I could wait. All I could do is on the back foot counter punch as people come in with that sort of you know fencing stance like yeah. the amateurs talk. Uh, I was very much like that, and I never, I never gave anybody a standing eight count in the amateurs. I never stopped no one. Never gave no one a standing eight count. So I, I was very feather fisted in the amateurs. And then I met Rod, and Rod sort he's he put a style into me where I sit down, 
I put very hard punches together. But I think the turning point for me was, literally, um, I do interviews and it's the first fit person they bring up near enough nine out of ten times. But I sparred Kel Brook out in Spain and the difference in sparring uh, a novice as a pro, the, the distance that they fight at, he literally touched gloves with me and didn't move his feet. He stood about a foot away from me. But I couldn't hit and he could he could slip roll parry shots, come back with neat shots on the inside, step out. He could even though I'm six foot and he's about five foot seven, he was beating me to the jab because of how his footwork and his movement was, and he was just so good at getting distance right. And I think that was a turning point where I was like, wow, that is where you've got to be good, staying in the pocket being good defensively because before my defence was just taking two steps out of range so now it's about learning to stay there stay in the pocket be confident uh, defending I took on an S&C coach so I'm stronger when I do stay there and obviously I can let harder shots go because I'm nearer to my opponent rather than jumping out It's definitely made a difference obviously like I said in the last two fights with the stoppage victories and you know you've got this fight coming up which is coming up next Saturday and it's Friday Friday, yeah sorry it is you're right it's Friday so you've got a tough guy uh, Germani Carrero he's He's such a he's a, such a tough fella to be in. He's he's fighting quite a lot regular as well, uh, and obviously yeah, he's yeah. he's upset a couple of people along the way as well. Well, yeah, mate. Listen, it's, it's, I've said this before to Ryan Tom's fight. People were like, "Oh, this is a uh, a hard fight to take early," but I don't want to be in this to fight someone from someone who's got like they've lost forty one four record coming over here to just run around the ring and because you're not gonna like, I'm not, I'm not gonna progress that way. I want to know that I'm ready to step up and. Like test myself at, at title level, so that's why I took the Ryan Tom's fight. Because if they, if I can't beat lads like Ryan Tom who are on their way out, there's no point in me doing this. So I wanted that fight, took that, stopped him. Obviously, I had to showcase my skills on an MTK show to yeah, just to put myself out there a little bit more. Managed to stop Valencia quicker than anyone stopped him. So this fight is uh, it's Lee Eaton's thrown me another uh, another tough fighter because I want to keep testing myself. I, like. Jamani uh, Camaro, he won a southern area down at lightweight. I don't know how he used to make lightweight. He's he's, he's about the same size as me. So um, <laughs> and he's he's very unorthodox, very awkward. So it's another puzzle for me to try and work out. But you could sit there and like I say, fight easy lads all day. But you want to test yourself and you want to try and learn as much as you can from all these different styles that are being put in front of you. I mean, stylistically, he's a nightmare. He stands orthodox, south, war, square on, throws shots from his waist. He's, he's murder. But th- these are the boys that you've got to try and figure out because you're not always going to get someone that's punching a double jab right hand straight down the middle here. You're going to get these weird fighters and sometimes they're the ones you can kind of stack against, which is why he keeps upsetting people. And that's it. And he upsetted, obviously, Adrian Martin earlier on this year, who was a guy who was in a similar position to where you are now. He was he was 9-0 at the time and he's previously been on yep. this series of ones to watch. So, you know, when I spoke to him, it was before the fight with Camaro and, and obviously he was looking to do exactly the same as you and he was looking to push on in his career and fight guys like Camaro who were going to bring something completely different to to what a lot of the guys at this stage of your career do bring so this is a really really tough yeah. test for you he's not just a guy who's going to walk over easy and he's not a guy who's easily no. stopped as well so this is going to be an interesting way for you to, to, to adapt in the fight because I'm sure at some point when he changes stance and he changes style you're going to have to adapt and you're going to have to adapt quickly to Sure that you don't get caught by him as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, uh, I've, I've watched his fight against Lewis Crocker, and uh, Crocker, Crocker and I and everybody out till he met uh, Mr. Warburton, who I've already spoke about, and then he then he fought Jamani, uh, and he, he couldn't get him out of there. And Crocker's a good fighter; he's very good, come forward, punches hard, and Jamani just he just he doesn't settle his feet. 
doesn't set his feet. He might step right, then he'll come back with a right hand. He might step left, come back with his left, or he might step left and throw his right. He's sort of, it's almost like he doesn't know what he's going to do. So it's a bit. So you've really got to be switched on when he's when he's moving and when he's jumping in. But the one thing that um, I might really don't listen to this before the fight. But the one thing I am banking on is when he's when you switch your feet so much, you can't move your head as you're switching. So that's where uh, that's where we want to catch him. So. Not to look too far ahead, obviously I know you're very focused on this particular fight with Camaro and I know you have mentioned it a little bit earlier in the conversation but you want to progress on forward, you want to move forward in your career. Should you obviously come through Camaro on the weekend and you do well and it's impressive, ideally where do you see yourself going over the next year? Are you looking to get involved in a professional title belt? Yeah, mate, 100%. Yeah, I want a, I want a nice little southern area around my waist by the end of the year. 100%, that's what I want. That's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. Me and Rod talk about it every day. That's, like, that's what you want from this sport. You want to get titles. You want to do well. And once, But I'm, I'm very... I'm, I'm ve- I'm, like, I, I, I won't start saying, oh, like, I want a British title. I'm very... Like, I'm, I'm quite switched on with it. I want the southern area. And I would love to do the old-fashioned route because I believe where I didn't have the... GB amateur background that some of these boys have had. I think the experience that I'm going to get coming up through Southern Area English title level will put me in good stead for the rest of my career. I 100% agree with you and, and some people in this day and age are obviously fast-tracked due to the fact that they've got this amateur pedigree or they've got this background of being on the GB squad and that's why they get thrusted into the position so quickly as you know. But part of that is also the fact that because they're known from the amateur side quite well, they've got a profile already so they're then already at a certain level where they don't have to do the things that you're doing which is uh, interesting that we had this conversation a little bit earlier and it brought a question in today on Twitter about this and my my sort of interpretation of fighters at your stage is that they literally everything they have to do they have to do it themselves or they have to go out and drop tickets off which is what you're physically doing as we're speaking and then you have to go out there you have to go out there and promote yourself as well obviously that also depends on the promoter that you've got and obviously you're promoted by a company that really really look after their fighters and really push their fighters so you know I don't see that to be an issue from that perspective but I mean as, as a guy that's got to try and push his profile out there you're literally physically doing ticket drops now as we're speaking so it's yeah. it's such a, a difficult balance to to, to to get there and the question that we had in a little bit earlier on which I'm going to read out now and obviously this is great for you to answer on the air as well so Many prospects find early in their career that ticket selling, so the selling, the distributing, collecting payment and and shifting your quota of tickets, it's a massive personal distraction. Have you found this to to be the case for yourself? To be fair, I'm I'm, I'm quite lucky. I know know lads struggle to do 30 tickets, but like, I'm quite lucky. I've got a, I've got a um, a good a good bunch of friends. My family's amazing. My family's friends are They all spend their hard-earned money to come and watch me. I mean, like, but it, it's it's a knock-on effect. I mean, if you do over a hundred tickets, you've got to go and you've physically got to go out and drop them. Do you know what I mean? Like, if people people live for the weekend, I find, and if I'm saying to people, listen, I'm fighting in a month and a half time, they won't go. Oh, yeah, sweet. Like, I'll pay you now. Send me the ticket out via uh, via post. It'll be all right. Let me know in a couple of weeks, and I'll sort you out then. So it always seems to be. It comes down to fight week when you're cutting weight you're um you're trying to you're trying to do everything at once so 
it is a little bit of a distraction, but it's it's the name of the game. It's the only way for us boys to get ourselves out there, to earn ourselves a few quid, do you know what I mean? Get ourselves on these shows and to try and chase our dream. It's it's, it's a pain, but it's just what we've got to do to to, uh, to do this. I just want to say thanks to, to James Slapman for sending that question in on Twitter today before recording. And cheers, Sam, for answering it as well. And I think it's quite common knowledge for people that know the boxing game inside out that obviously you've got to shift so many tickets uh, to, to at least cover the cost of the opponent before you can even break even and actually take a portion uh, of funds from, yeah. from what you make on the night and a lot of people know how difficult that can be so other than other than obviously training what else are you getting up to outside of the ring do you have a job as well that helps support the boxing career no I'm very very lucky enough to have um, a few sponsors that uh, that took me out of landscaping about a year and a bit ago now. And uh, one of the sp- one of my sponsors is Trendy Landscapes, the old firm I used to work for. So um, they they all they all come to every fight. They'll support me. They'll support me through my training. But um, but yeah, I'm lucky that I can do I can do it full time. I do I do a bit of PT and in the uh, like a bo- bit of boxing size with a few people, a few of my friends and that. So Rod's good enough to give me like a, a space in the gym to be able to do that and stuff as well. So so yeah, it, it is. Uh, I'm lucky to be able to do this for a job. But um, yeah, in my spare time, I uh, enjoy enjoy things everyone enjoys. Really, I, I like going. I like going golf. I like going fishing. Spend time with my missus. She's actually in the car with me now, listening to me. So, um, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I bore her with a lot of boxing stuff. We, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, just I like doing every, normal everyday things. To be fair, but um, after a long old camp, it is nice to get away from boxing and um, and chill out as well. So yeah, no, it's it's good that you've got the support of obviously your old company that you used to work for, and not everybody's as fortunate yeah. to to get sponsors on board to be able to support the career outside of the ring as well. And it's really good to hear that you've got that support on there. And obviously, if anybody that listens or any company that listen to to this interview if they want to get in touch with you in terms of potentially sponsoring you in the future where can they do it where can they find you on social media Sam uh, they can find me on uh, just at Sam Gilly on uh, Instagram at Sam Gilly Boxing on Twitter and just Sam Gilly on Facebook so um, but yeah like oh, oh, is it alright if I shout my co- the companies out that sponsor me now 100% right? go for it yeah alright well first uh, Home Glaze London Recycling Trendy Landscape Curly Art uh, SAD Samaritan uh, who else we got who else we got I've got mine blank uh, TTP Electric uh, uh, no, I mean, ah Dan's Luxury Travel we know one yes I think <laughs> I've got everyone <laughs> I'll tell you what you've done really well to remember all them yeah I know yeah I've, um, I'm, I'm very lucky to have to have them all on board so um, yeah they all help me out massively and they yeah they all come to every fight this is what I mean I'm like it's like, from Rod giving me spaces in the gym and stuff as well from PTs they've got oh I know someone and they've put me in touch with this person I actually used to do like from Dan's Luxury Travel I actually used to do Dan's Garden when I was when I was landscaping so and he used to talk to me about boxing all the time and now a couple of years well a year and a bit down the line he's sponsoring me so that come from the from the landscape company as well so it's mad how things turn out really it is and you know big shout out to them really because obviously they're helping you get somewhere to uh, achieving your dream and obviously we've talked talked about it along the way and we've talked about what you want to do ultimate goal then for boxing and i know you want to concentrate on levels at a time and um you know it's really good to hear that that's what you're doing you're taking a step at a time rather than jumping too far forward but taking yourself out of the fact that you are a professional boxer for just a moment your ultimate goal then what would it be what would it be my ultimate goal yeah to buy my mama hair to be fair 
but I'd love to be a, everyone would love to be a world champion but listen I'll say stage by stage but my ultimate goal would be to buy my house mate that is my ultimate goal and I'll tell you what there's no wrong with that there's no wrong with pushing yourself to be financially secure and it's funny because recently I had another another fighter on who I asked the same question to and got a similar answer as in he would rather take he would rather take a million quid than say a British title fight if it meant he was able to secure his future for his family. Yeah, oh mate, listen, I've got um, as I'm talking to you now, I've actually got a picture of the British title on my scr- on my screensaver on my phone. So that is like that belt is beautiful. Boxing terms, I'd love one of them, but like I say, I take stuff step by step. But securing stuff for my for my family, for my mum, for my dad, brother, sister, that that comes above anything. I mean, I mean, everyone's been through our time, struggled and stuff like that, so I'd love to do that for us. Yeah, here, here, I can't really argue with that at all. Just a final, really, uh, little touch on the promotion side of things. MTK promoting you at the moment, and obviously Lee Eaton, I know know Lee pretty well. He's been on one of our series for the podcast, and I've had a good chat with Lee about his journey through boxing himself and where he is at at the moment. What's he actually like as a promoter? Oh, mate, he's, um, he's been quality so far. I mean, I wasn't an MTK fighter when I boxed on the last show. Lee, um, Rod, uh, they they uh, got me on the show, thankfully, and uh, and it was pretty much uh, let's see how you get on, and then we'll go from there, sort of thing. And after uh, I don't even think my foot had uh, reached the floor yet, off of the ring, and Lee had already said, "Listen, we're gonna we'll talk about contracts next week." So um, I was very lucky to be offered a contract with them. Now to be promoted by them. Uh, I mean, I'm doing a, uh, a takeover of their, you know, they do like the Instagram takeover thing. Yes. In that on Wednesday, I've never done anything like that before. So, and, I mean, they've got, I think it's 106,000 followers on Instagram. So, you know, doing stuff like that, like what I'm doing now, I'm talking to you, like people can get to know me through this. It's the same thing doing that. It's just getting my name out there a bit more. People, and then people can see you on a card and like people don't even know me. They're like, oh, that sounds good. It's like, we'll be able to watch him when we go. Rather than me saying like, oh, like, to, to everyone that I know if you want to come I might have a few people that are coming to watch me that I don't know do you know what I mean and that's how you you broaden your your market and you become a brand yourself and an attractive fighter for uh, and the more attractive you are on shows the more the promoter is going to do for you and want to work with you so it's all a business at the end of the day mate it is, 100%, and you've got the benefit of being with MTK, who are streaming shows, obviously through IFL, every, practically every weekend in the boxing season, so you've got the benefit of being on TV, and, yeah. and to be fair, they get a lot of people watching them shows on a Friday, so, you know, it's really good for, for you, for your exposure, for where you want to take your career, and yeah. I, hope, I hope, obviously, you know, it works out the way you want it to go and it get, gets you to that next level in your career professionally fingers crossed mate mate it's mad that you saying that I've, um, I've, I've never, never never really touched on that but that uh, that um, IFL thing I've, like, I've done two shows this weekend I uh, after I got out of the ring last time I didn't expect this one bit but the amount like people who I used to go that like, I went to primary school with sent me pictures of their front room all their family were sitting in their front room watching me boxing their telly and I was just like mate that is mad people I went to primary school with I was like that is crazy that people can actually sit there and do that just through streaming it and people actually go out of their way to actually do it and uh, I mean they've got ESPN and top rank involved now so they're just smashing it at the minute mate and I'm buzzing to be a part of it yeah it is it's huge it's a huge deal that they've got and it's only going to help you as a professional fighter 
fighter and, and your journey through boxing. And I just want to say thank you so much for obviously coming on and, and telling your story and telling your journey through boxing and talking about the struggles that are real for a lot of professional boxers uh, and what it's like for them on a day-to-day basis. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and really looking forward to seeing your career progress over the next 12 months and seeing where you go. Uh, and the last time you fought against Ryan Toms, you, you was interviewed by one of my guys down there covering that show and he's going to be down there this weekend covering the show so look look out for him he's oh, going to be there you. i'm going to get him to interview you and then we're, we're just going to keep pushing pushing you out there and seeing where we can get you to and and i'm really excited for your career sam thank you so much for coming on thank you mate Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers. So there we go, guys. That was Once to Watch Series 2, Episode 5 with Sam Gilly. Really great chat with Sam there, talking about his move into the professional game, what professional life has been like, the struggles that are real, dropping tickets off while we're literally recording the episode. Unbelievable what the professional boxers have to do to put themselves out there. Good to hear about his new relationship with MTK, promoted by Lee Eaton. Lee's obviously a great guy. I spoke to him many a times. Gives us accreditation to all the shows. We really appreciate the support they give us as well as we give them. So it's good to see he's with a promoter that are looking to really take him to the next level and are doing a great job with him at the moment and giving him the right fights at the right time. So I'm looking forward to seeing where his career does go. So as he said in the episode, if you want to go and follow him on social media, go and find him. He is on all social platforms. Go and give him a follow. Follow his career. He's fighting on Friday the 28th of June so please go and check that out it's on IFL TV you can find that on YouTube go and check the fight out go and check him out in action and for us go and find us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook subscribe to any of the podcasting platforms mainly Apple Podcasts if you do leave us a rating and a review it really helps us Find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify, any of the available podcasting apps that are out there for you to go and subscribe to us on. And we'll be back later on this week with more episodes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.